It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Got Ryan Talbot in the house. I am Matt Perino. We're going to be joined by Matthew Fairburn, who covers the Patriots for The Athletic. Uh, used to be on the Buffalo Bills beat. So we're going to be uh, talking to him a little bit about the transition this season and uh, early thoughts on this game. What's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. Yeah. You know, this is a big game on the horizon, Matt. Another primetime game, uh, a game with the AFC East on the line. Obviously, still quite a few weeks left to go after this game, uh, regardless of the outcome. But obviously, a game that the Bills want to win to, to take over the, the throne once again and put themselves in the driver's seat, not only to win the East, but possibly uh, make a run to that number one seed. The hype around this game has already reached intense proportions here as uh, I think I put up a story this morning watching on ESPN, Diana Rossini calling this the game of the year in the NFL. And it feels like that because in a lot of ways, this could be the game that determines the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, if, if, if the Patriots win, it's not over for the bills yet in terms of chasing that AFC East crown, but the way that they're playing right now, it's going to take almost a perfect finish to the season the rest of the way. And then going to new England uh, later in December and, and getting a win there. I feel like everything is set up right now for the bills to take hold of this opportunity. I know Tredavious white just went down. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on, but this is an opportunity against a Patriots team coming in here. The first time Mac Jones is going to experience Orchard Park and the Bills Mafia to set the tone, to send a message. This is the time when this Bills team on both sides of the ball and on special teams have to, has to bring their best effort. Oh, 100 percent. This is a must win game for the Bills. I mean, every game at this, at this point is a must win game for the Bills. But it's really important for this team because we have not seen back to back wins in some time. It's been uh, winning a game here and then losing, whether it's a heartbreaker uh, against a team that's really close or getting blown out uh, against a team like the Colts. The Bills need this for to kind of stabilize what they what they are who they want to be they need to peak at this time and this is this is the time of year where you want to start to see them rack up the wins and and peak at the right time we've talked about this before matt it it felt like maybe the bills peaked too early last year uh then they got to the playoffs and almost was like they weren't challenged enough in the regular season They, they felt uh they faced some adversity tough game against the Colts tough game against the Ravens for a good portion of that game. And then, uh, you know, their luck, so to speak, kind of ran out against Kansas City. We've seen them face some adversity already this year. Now it's the time for them to stack up those wins, make a run for that one, uh, one seed. But obviously, most importantly, Get control of that division first and foremost. You don't want to enter the playoffs necessarily as a wild card. We've seen teams do it. We saw the the Buccaneers do it last year. But you complicate your path when you do that. I want to talk about where we're at with the Bills the first day of practice. So this was a long kind of like uh, ramp up period from the game last Thursday. The guys get a couple days off the bills. Stefan Diggs actually mentioned that today is something that 
was really nice to have a couple days to kind of recharge your batteries. But guys, after a couple days, the intensity started to ratchet up even away from the facility. And they noticed pretty early on this morning when guys were back in the bu- the building, a renewed level of focus. There, you know, Nobody was dragging around. Everybody was ready to kind of punch that clock, get to work. Big time feel this week. Starla Tulele back in the building. He's been activated off the COVID list. Spencer Brown, uh, the starting right right tackle, he's back in the building. I got to say, Spencer Brown looked really great today, like almost like he didn't miss a beat, which I think is a good sign. We talked to Deion Dawkins a little bit today about Star Latulale's battle with COVID, who, by the way, Star was listed on the injury report today as limited in practice, still dealing with the effects of the illness as per the injury report. And I asked Deion Dawkins, I mean, you went through the kind of a, what seems like a similar thing to star because star was out for uh, 16 days. What happened in that time? And he basically said, yeah, he reached out to me. He started having chest pains. I told him that, you know, uh, I, I did an antibody uh, fluid uh, injection and that kind of helped me out. And so he kind of helped star Latule through that, but he was back in the, in the building today. And I think that's a good sign, but I still want to kind of, you know, maybe hold back expectations on star that he's able to kind of just step back in to the role that he had before the, before he went out. Yeah. And that's certainly fair, but it does seem like the, the perfect storm in terms of how this schedule has set up for Buffalo. Obviously they have a dud against the Colts and then they have a short turnaround. So they can't really dwell on that. They blow out the saints and then they get that extra time off that you mentioned. And all of a sudden with the biggest game of the year coming up, they get their right tackle back. Uh, Feliciano's in play stars in play. That's good for this team. Obviously, you know, a significant blow losing Trey White, but they're getting healthy at the right time in other areas like that offensive line, which uh, Josh Allen has really had to work around these last few weeks. In the building, our old buddy, Matthew Fairburn. I'm so excited to see you this weekend, my friend. First and foremost, welcome to the show. When do you get into town? We didn't even establish that when I texted you. Yeah, we're uh, driving in Saturday, so the whole fam's coming. Uh, I was uh, checking out the forecast. Looks like there's plenty of snow in store. So, you know, (laughs) really interesting thing is that when I lived in Buffalo for seven years, everybody would always say, oh, man, the snow must be terrible. And I was like, it's just like it was growing up in New England. Since I've been here, we've gotten like a few snowflakes. Well, it snowed like fairly consistently for you guys, it seems like. So... Maybe there was something to that, that there there's a little bit more snow in Buffalo. Yeah, you're coming back at the perfect time as I think that the weather report is looking ominous in the next couple of days and potentially for the game on Monday night. But it's going to be exciting. And it's exciting in a lot of ways that I feel like just to have these two teams at this place for this kind of caliber of game is going to be fun to cover. I mean, I think I, I, we've talked about it over the years. Always gets a little little extra juiced up when, when there's a lot on the line in a game like this. But before we get too much into the, the game itself, I want to talk about, you know, career wise, what it's been like for you, because once we get kind of into the season and we're hustling, it's, it's kind of hard to check in a lot and see how things are going. So how has the transition gone from, you know, I think it was five years on the bills beat to, you know, go, going and transitioning, covering the Patriots. Yeah, it's been fun. It was um, seven years on, seven. Uh, uh, on the Bills beat, which was wow. kind of weird when I added it all up. It was a long time. It was going on year eight, you know, this you. season would have been. So made me feel a little old, but it's been an interesting year. I think it's a really interesting time in the Patriots franchise, you know, transitioning to the new quarterback, Bill Belichick in this stage of his career where it feels like, you know, in a sense, 
you know, he's done everything he could ever want to do. And yet here he is entering another stage of his career. It's almost like Tom Brady entering that last stretch here in Tampa where it feels like he could have been done three or four years ago, career accomplishment wise, and he's still piling on. So it's been fun. It's it's a, a new challenge, always exciting, um, you know, big competitive market. And, you know, I've been enjoying getting adjusted and, and mixing it up here. Yeah, that's great. Now, you mentioned it. it's been quite the year for the Patriots, a slow start, and they've really turned things around. One of the hottest teams in the league winning six straight. But let, let's start first and foremost with Mac Jones. There's a lot of hype from the national media about this guy. Uh, it, one, is the hype real? Is this something where uh, he's as good as they're advertising him to be? Is it a situation where he just kind of has come in and he's been, he has that experience where uh, kind of like a Baker Mayfield in his rookie year where where you knew that he he was going to come in and be ready to play. What What are your thoughts on Mac Jones to date? I think he's better than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, when I first took the job and hadn't really watched much of him because there wasn't a whole lot of reason to watch, you know, the college quarterbacks last year, at least, you know, in depth and, you know, only saw bits and pieces and coming into this, you know, you kind of knew where he stood in terms of the draft rankings and scouting reports and whatnot, but it's probably nauseating for Bills fans to hear and to, to watch, but like it really is just like a perfect fit in, in so many ways. I mean, it's such an interest. It's so interesting to have watched Josh Allen go from where he was to what he is now and, you know, see every little step of the way with that and then walk into this and it be a completely different situation in terms of development and in terms of, it just goes to show how complicated the position is, how it's hard to, you know, really make broad statements about here's how you scout a quarterback, how you draft one, how you develop one. There's so many different ways to do it. And these are, you know, two very different situations. Mac Jones is, you know, somebody asked me the other day, is, is he driving the car or is he along for the ride? I feel like he's driving the car, but he just has the benefit of, driving a really nice car, you know, like he got, he's in a situation where he may not have the best. I don't think he has like an embarrassment of riches in terms of talent around him. He's got a really good offensive line. Hunter Henry is a good tight end. They've got some decent receivers, a good running game, but he has the greatest coach of all time as his head coach and a really good offensive coordinator. And he's doing everything right. He's doing exactly what what's asked of him. He's making some tough throws, but he's also, just making all the easy ones. And with Josh Allen at the beginning, it was almost the opposite. It was like he needed to learn how to make the easy throws, but he would make a few throws a game where you were like, holy cow, you don't really get those moments necessarily with Mac Jones. You'll get to the end of the game and you'll think Mac Jones didn't do anything that blew me away, but man, he had a really good game. Like you look at the numbers, he completed 70 something percent of his passes. He piled up some yards. He made a few tough throws. He's been really good on third down. So I think he's as advertised to an extent. And I think the fit, more importantly, is, you know, worthy of the hype that it's getting because you're going to hear a lot where people say, oh, man, it, it is this Tom Brady all over again? And it's ridiculous to even think that somebody in their first year could be, you know, the greatest of all time. But I think where the comparisons can match up is like early career Tom Brady, like 2001 Tom Brady, where he was playing this this way, had a really good defense, and that team, you know, obviously went on to win a Super Bowl. 
he's playing the position the way Brady did early in his career, where he's doing doing what he needs to do. And this is going to be his biggest test of the season, I think, against the Bills. Really good defense on the road in a really tough environment, possibly some weather. A lot of factors are going to make this probably the toughest test of Mac Jones's career. Something that's you know been talked about on Bill's Twitter a lot the last you know couple days, I, I I it did not, definitely didn't meet the eye test for me, and kind of shook me a little bit when I actually did look up the stat. The Bills are number one in the league in pressure rate right now at like over thirty percent. They're the only team in the league that's applying pressure on thirty percent of snaps right now in the NFL, and it's it's crazy to think about because they they haven't been a team that I feel like opposing quarterbacks in most games felt like uh, there was a lot of chaos back there, but I guess that could kind of be a deceptive thing uh, to the naked eye, especially live. I'm, I'm curious about Mac Jones in terms of how he's handled it against some of the better pass rushes he's faced, because it seems like at times, I think it was the Dallas game when he was under you know pressure a couple of times, he made some mistakes. That was a long time ago. Is that kind of the, the recipe is if you could slow down this run game a little bit and get after him and make kind of force him into some turnovers and mistakes? Yeah, the the stat on Mac Jones is that they the Patriots are eight and zero when he's pressured on twenty six percent or fewer of uh, his dropbacks, and in their four losses, he's been pressured on thirty percent or more in all of them. So, I don't think it's a flaw in Mac Jones's game so much as it is the nature of football. Mm-hmm. Ask any coach any given week. One of the key, you know, I always laugh when they put the keys to the game up on the TV and it's always pressure the quarterback, get off to a fast start as if anybody in their game plan is saying, all right, let's try to get off to a slow start and let's (laughs) let the quarterback sit back there all day long and go through his reads. You know, everybody's trying to do that. And of course, anytime a quarterback's under pressure, some are better than others, but uh, you know, you're going to have a good chance of winning a game. If you're applying pressure to a quarterback, I think Mac Jones it's the one area that has stuck out to me is that he has been late to recognize and identify where blitzers are coming from. And I know the bills have been good over the years under Sean McDermott with timely blitzes. Uh, You know, it's the, the old Jim Johnson philosophy of, uh, you know, bringing extra pressure from different spots. They've been good, good at that. And Mac Jones, there's been times where, especially when you're sitting up in the press box with the bird's eye view, you can see the blitzer coming and you're like, does he see him? Does he see him? And then he's <laughs> sacked. And it's like, he, you know, it happened in the Falcons game. It happened once against the Titans. It's once or twice a game. He's making mistakes. You know, it's not as if he's not making any mistakes. He's thrown some interceptions. He had a dropped interception uh, against the Titans. That was a pretty tough throw. So he's made a few mistakes, but I think what, what I sense from him when he makes the mistakes, it's not really a big deal to him. Uh, I think early in Josh Allen's career, you know, when things started getting off the rails, it could snowball. It doesn't really happen to to Mac Jones. He just kind of shrugs things off. He's okay with, you know, taking a sack and and not trying to do too much. So pressure is certainly a, a key as it is every week. And, you know, that stat I mentioned shows that if you can get to him and get to that running game, probably more importantly, then you're going to have some success against the Patriots. But I don't know. I haven't seen him get rattled yet. Even in that that Dallas game, he throws the pick six. He comes back the next play and throws a 70-plus yard touchdown to, to Kendrick Bourne. 
like like it was nothing. You know, he just came right back mm-hmm. and kept playing. Whereas that mistake he made in that Cowboys game, I mean, it could have been a backbreaker. It could have been it, right? It could have been the the type of play that a lot of rookies that would have been it. The game would have been over. They still lost the game, but the way he responded, the way he played against the Buccaneers, numbers might not jump off the stat sheet, but I mean, that was a crazy atmosphere, crazy buildup as far as hype goes with Tom Brady in the building. And it was just another game for him. So he's extremely steady. And I think that's helped this offense be what it needs to be. You know, when you have a defense like the Patriots have, at least over the last six weeks, the offense is in a pretty good spot to just, you know, do what it needs to do and and come out of there with wins. It's so funny that you bring up Josh back four years ago when, you know, things went bad and you could see the frustration on his face and, you know, the, I don't know, he took it all so personally that it just obviously bled into how he played at times. And it's funny you bring that up. It's like, I don't know how much that isn't still there a little bit because we talked about it this week. John uh, Waro has been asking pretty consistently about, you know, has he been trying to do too much even still? And you can kind of see it in his face. I mean, if you go back and watch that Jacksonville Jaguars game, it was almost like rewinding the clock. I mean, people were talking about a regression in terms of playing like he wasn't a rookie. I don't necessarily know if that was happening as much as I saw some character traits that were prevalent in him as a rookie that I hadn't seen much last year without fans in the stands and with everything going right for this offense. And the first year was Stefan Diggs. I feel like at times this year, you've seen that frustration kind of come out. And even when I asked Brian Dable about it this week, I was like, fans are kind of talking about Josh Allen, not being as maybe effective as he was last year. But then you look at the numbers and they're, they're actually really eerily similar to a season ago, even despite a couple duds. And Brian got kind of really defensive and, and, and standing up for Josh. And, you know, they're not, they're not all on him. All the interceptions he's had the last couple of days, those aren't on him, but I don't know. I just, you're watching from the outside that this has been something that I think in the back of people's minds always kind of was there even last year in 2020 with Allen. Yeah, you know what's really interesting about this Bills team, and it was, you know, before I came over here, was kind of the the thing I was keeping an eye on throughout camp and heading into the season was like, how is this team going to respond to being like, you can't even pretend to be the underdog heading into this season, right? Like you got all the respect you could ever want. Everybody's picking them to win the Super Bowl, picking Josh Allen as an MVP, the whole thing last year, they got all the hype during the season, but they still had all that. Haven't won the division in however many years, haven't done this in however many years that they still got to pretend to be the underdog a little bit. And now they are very much the hunted. And certainly the, the conversation came up, you know, after that Colts game, like, is this a soft team? And the way I look at it and I, the games I've watched of the bills in full are Steelers, Chiefs, Titans, uh, Colts, Saints. So, you know, the the primetime games. And then mm-hmm. the Patriots were 4 o'clock against the Steelers. So I caught that one. Soft is such a, you know, it's an interesting term for like a, a you know, NFL team. Like, especially one with a really good defense like the Bills. Um, I think mentally is what I wonder about them. Whether you call it mentally soft or unfocused or having trouble being the the front runner. That's where I wonder with with Josh Allen, 
when thing when he does get hit in the mouth and when you know when they're trailing in games and he's trying to do too much trying to put it all on himself you see some of those problems pop up and i think there's an element of that you know across the team in in different spots you know whether it's the defense getting run over the way it did uh, against the Colts i think a lot of that had to do with scheme a couple of years ago the Colts did something pretty similar to them when Derek Anderson was under center for the Bills, uh, a great mm. memorable day for Bills fans. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I go back to the the AFC title game. The moment in the AFC title game that I had the biggest problem with was probably one that a lot of fans loved the most. And it was when Feliciano and there might have been another O-lineman that were throwing punches after it was Dawkins. the whistle. Yeah. Um, that, to me, was like these guys lost lost their composure. Like mm-hmm. you just spent four quarters getting your asses kicked up front, like letting them put pressure on your quarterback. And now you want to throw punches like that's not tough. That's not, you know, physical like and that's where soft, whatever term you want to use. It's such a damning term for a football team. But that's what I, I wonder if this team will develop as as they go, because just because you don't have it in November you know, sometimes that resolve and that constantly getting hit in the mouth or getting embarrassed, that can wake you up enough to like pull pull a team together by late December, early January, and then you go on a run. I mean, the Buccaneers got embarrassed a couple times last year and, you know, they pulled it together, got healthy and uh, hot at the right time. So maybe it's the type of test that this Bills team needs, but uh, I think it's one of the most interesting dynamics of this matchup on Monday night is that this is a physical Patriots team, but it's also just like an extremely mentally tough, smart, disciplined group that, you know, penalty wise, they'll take some penalties at too many holdings, special teams, penalties early in the year, but they at two and four didn't blink at all. And, you know, this win streak, you can poke holes in the opponents here and there, but they are just destroying teams. So, it's all been building to this, you know, this has been, I feel like in columns the last few weeks, I've referenced this stretch of Titans, Bills, bye week Colts, Bills for the Patriots. Like this was the stretch that we'd figure it out. And that's what, you know, it, to an extent it is for the Bills, right? They, they play the Bucks, the Panthers and the Patriots again. So yeah, I meandered off of your original uh, question <laughs> there, but I do think there's an element of the entire team talk about that one eleventh all the time and sometimes i think guys are are getting a little bit away from that um and it probably does start with the quarterback because he's he's the guy that everything runs through he's the reason that there's still a super bowl contender because when he gets hot he's as good as it gets shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot Now we talked about Mac Jones, but the Col- uh, the Patriots also have a really good run game. And we saw you mentioned the Colts game uh, f- a few minutes ago and how the Bills were embarrassed uh, against the run in that matchup, especially. What can you tell Bills fans about this one two punch that New England has coming into Highmark Stadium? Yeah, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson have both been really good. They've sort of been swapping series the last few weeks just because, you know, they're somewhat interchangeable. I actually would maybe say Ramondre Stevenson has been more impressive over the last month of the season. 
he was a classic case of week one. He had like a handful of snaps. He fumbled on one of them and blew a pass protection on the other one. And he was inactive for like a month. Uh, It was just like a classic Belichick. This guy, you know, wasn't ready and, you know, sat him down. And when he came back, he was ready. And, you know, they, they haven't hesitated to give him the ball. He can catch it out of the backfield. Damian Harris, they both run really tough. They seem like guys that are just really not fun to tackle for four quarters. And it's part of what makes this offense what it is because, I mean, they have a combination on the offensive line at times where they put Mike Onwenu out as their sixth offensive lineman next to Trent Brown at right tackle and Shaq Mason at right guard where there's like about a thousand pounds of of human on the right side of the offensive line, paving the way for these two running backs who just seem painful to tackle. And, you know, they're trying to make running the football matter again, right? Like, you know, everybody, the passing league and everything else, yeah, it might be more efficient to chuck the ball downfield, but it's certainly a lot more exhausting on a defense to have to deal with uh, a running game like the one the Patriots have. So it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think a lot of what that Colts game was came down to, scheme i mean jonathan taylor's awesome too but uh you know what the colts do seems to cause the bills problems and one thing about the patriots is that they're able to do a lot of different things offensively and defensively whatever a given week calls for they'll dial it up they'll change themselves i mean they went from being the most man coverage heavy defense in football through the first six weeks of the season to one of the most zone heavy defenses in football during their win streak. So Bill Belichick will scrap something entirely and do something different if he thinks it'll work. So I'll be curious to see what he has dialed up. I wouldn't say that it's a given that the the Patriots are going to run all over them, but um, it's certainly, I would imagine what Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have paid the most attention to this week. So Kyle Duggar, obviously a big storyline. It seems like he's been, you know, kind of evolved into what I think everybody thought. I remember covering him around draft time, what they thought he could be, especially when Bill Belichick got him. How important is he to what they do defensively? And what is your thought? I mean, I know the COVID thing is so weird. Uh, it's kind of on not really know whether he's vaccinated or not, but you know, the likelihood that he plays probably isn't too high. Yeah. Probably. I mean, given the way we've seen some of these things play out, it, it doesn't seem like something that, they should bank on, Um, you know, it's not something that they can really control. He's a tough loss for the defense. He's played, you know, he's their leading tackler and he's played really well over the last month or two. He's not, you know, locked down necessarily in coverage, but when you talk about physicality and toughness, he brings that to this defense in so many ways. He was also a big part of how they completely shut down Kyle Pitts uh, against the Falcons. He didn't have him on an island all the time, but he did a few times and he came up with with big plays. What I think makes it tricky, it's not that they can't play defense without Kyle Duggar. It's just, It's that their defense with Kyle Duggar is a lot harder to decipher for opposing offenses because he can play essentially play linebacker. He can play nickel corner. He can play safety. He plays all over the place. And when you have a piece like that, it I think it brings a lot of variety to what you can do as far as disguising coverage and, you know, keeping quarterbacks off balance. So I think that's the biggest loss. They still have two 
really good safeties. Devin McCourty and Adrian Phillips can do a lot of what Kyle Duggar can do. It's just obviously a lot better for your defense when you have both of them out there. And then you have two guys who can be all over the place and you have three safeties on the field. And it really helps them do some interesting things schematically that have just been an absolute nightmare for quarterbacks. So Duggar would be a fairly significant loss. I, I, you know, it's hard to say exactly how they would replace him because it's, it's a lot like when somebody goes out in McDermott's defense, you don't think all the time, depending on the player, like, Oh, it'll just be, you know, like Tredavious white goes down, Dane Jackson. Of course you have to put a body there. Somebody has to step in but more so is like, what's the scheme response going to be to losing Tredavious White? What can you get away with with Tredavious White that you can't get away with when he's not on the field? Kyle Duggar's not Tredavious White, but what you know, what you can get away with with Kyle Duggar on the field might be different than his replacement because he's such a unique player. So certainly one to keep an eye on. Their, their most significant injury you know, situation right now, and you don't know you know, as the Bills found out the trickle effect of a positive COVID test, what that could mean for the rest of your team. So, you know, everybody was out at practice today, you know, so far so good on that front, but something that I'm sure they're, they're mindful of, you know, as you don't want those late in the week situations to pop up as, you know, or you're waiting for those Sunday morning tests as the, the bills were a few weeks ago. I think that was the Jacksonville week that they were kind of, you know, sweating out those, you know, final few tests in their quarterback room. So we'll see what happens, but he's certainly a, an important player for them. You know, you're interacting with Patriots fans all the time. How do they feel going into this game in terms of this matchup? Are, are they going in expecting this Patriots team to continue their hot streak and win? Uh, do do they have the the feeling that maybe the, the streak comes to an end here? What are you getting from the fan base heading into this matchup? I think there's a a pretty solid confidence among these these folks. Um that's not unusual. Uh, they're a pretty confident bunch uh, when it comes to their sports teams. I do think there is a uh, a healthy respect, though, for for who the Bills are. I mean, people understand there's there's a different quality to this Patriots season because they were two and four, and because they have a rookie quarterback. I think expectations naturally shift. I mean, a rookie quarterback's never been to a Super Bowl. A rookie quarterback certainly never won one. So were they expecting to win the division all that? I don't really know, but I I think people have uh, certainly gotten swept up uh, in this team and what they do and the way they play defense. And I mean, it's a, I was thinking about this today. Like the last time a game between these two teams meant this much to both teams. I think you got to go back to the nineties. I mean, Mm -hmm. 2019, the Bills could have gotten the division from the Patriots if they beat them late in the season, but they were behind a game. It seemed a little far-fetched. Tom Brady was still there. The Patriots were really good. Like, And the Patriots won that game without much trouble. This feels like, for the first time since before Belichick took over, that the division is legitimately up for grabs between these two teams. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, you know, a different, uh, a different spot. And I can only imagine that a lot of Bills fans and maybe even some people in that building thought they would get more than, you know, 12 months atop the, uh, 
atop the division and in that comfortable spot where the Patriots were down and out. They didn't stay down and out for long, you know, regardless of what you think of this Patriots team and what, where the season will end up and how good Mac Jones will be. Like, I don't think there's a Bills fan out there that's not like a little bit worried about the fact that they're eight and four and that they're there, you know, they're, they're in the mix and they're, they're not a pushover like they were in 2020 when so many guys opted out and they had Cam Newton at quarterback, like they might have a quarterback and the coach certainly hasn't lost his fastball. So yeah, people are getting pretty confident and people are, people like this, this young quarterback they've got. And so weird. It's been a a season of, you know, so many different storylines and like right around the time when I was moving was that, that Buccaneers game. And, you know, there's so much talk of like Brady or Belichick, who was it, you know, who was more important and now it's like, yeah, I guess they were both really, really good. Like, you know, and the combination <laughs> of the two, you know, was was a pretty terrifying thing for other teams in the conference. So, yeah, there's definitely definitely some confidence going. And uh, I think probably, I don't know, probably more in New England than in Buffalo. Like people seem a little little shaken up about the last month or so of of Bill's football, but the schedule makers got what they wanted here, right? Like two games in a month and one of them on Monday night football. Like it's, you can't ask for a better, uh, you know, a better matchup and, you know, bigger stakes. I mean, this is, this is what they were hoping for when they, they lined it up. Were you a big office guy? You know, the scene where uh, he's complaining to Jan about all the vasectomies and he's like, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I feel like that's how Bill's fans have been the last couple of weeks. It's like, they really in with a good win. And then it's like, Boom, like depths of despair, the Jags game, the Colts game. It's been like kind of this like emotional journey for a lot of people. So I think that they're scared to kind of believe in them again, because this is the big spot. Uh, it'll be see- interesting to see how it plays out. Matthew Fairburn, thank you so much for your time, man. I can't wait to see you on Monday night. Have you back in Buffalo for a few days. Let everybody know where they can find your work so they can get this thing covered from the other side this week. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn and uh, find all of our work at yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people want to venture to the athletic.com slash Patriots, but that's where you'll find, uh, <laughs> that's where you'll find all my work for, for the weekend. If you're into that sort of thing, I've got, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, thoughts on this matchup that I'm, you know, just dumping into a column tonight that'll post in the morning. It's, it's been, uh, you know, like I said, for weeks, I feel like this matchup has been in the back of my head because it's like, man, if the Patriots keep winning, it's going to be a pretty big game. And so far, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you know, one of the games of the year. So it should be a lot of fun. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic, bringing it for all of us, getting us a little bit smarter ahead of this game from the Patriots angle. But we're going to dive into a lot more here uh, tonight here, uh, a little bit more. I want to I want to talk a little bit more about Star, the potential offensive line situation, a player for the Patriots that I think I miss cast or um, underappreciated earlier this season. We'll talk about him as well. But from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Make sure you get there this weekend. They'll hook you up. All right. Star Latulale, like we mentioned at the, st- the start of the show, he returned to practice today. He was out there taking part. He was limited. It looked like he was maybe going at uh, 60, 70% speed today at the portion of the practice that was open in the media. But yeah, I think this the way that this defensive line shakes out, Ryan, is going to be something really interesting to kind of monitor over the course of the week. You know, with the 
numbers. I mean, if you want uh, the two veterans and Mario Edison and Jerry Hughes active, you know, the three young guys, uh, Boogie Basham, uh, Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa. Basham was inactive last week. I anticipate him be inactive again this week, but they're going to want some bulk. And I, I, I'm interested to see how they do it. Do they take whoever they thought had the better game between Eli Anku and Brandon Bryant, dress one of them with Starla Tulele? Does he get all the way back? And maybe, maybe is he not ready to go? And they, and they continue to sit him down and go with the two practice squad guys. It's going to be interesting to see how this week plays out. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. And if the Bills can even get Star at 75%, I think they would take that for this Monday night matchup. Uh, he, he's someone that can take on multiple linemen, free things up for the, the players around him, and especially the linebackers who can come in and clean things up. It, it would be a, a major uh, help for that defensive line, especially against a rushing attack that uh, Mr. Fairburn mentioned just a few minutes ago. So, I don't anticipate him, however, playing the majority of the snaps. Like you said, you're coming back from COVID. He he looked like he was going uh, at a certain percentage today at the part that you saw. So they're going to need someone to rotate in there with him or for him. And it might be, like you said, whoever they thought played better. They did protect both of those defensive tackles again this week on their practice squad. So you you can tell that uh, they, they do think highly of both of these players. Uh, they, they do need to figure it out. But going back to what you mentioned about F.A. Obata, we talked about him after they signed him this offseason, what he could do, how he could get after the quarterback and how he was more successful in Carolina doing that from the inside. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see him get some reps on those, whether it's obvious passing downs or third downs where they're, uh, they think it's more likely that they're going to pass or even on earlier downs, get F.A. Obata mixed in there. I feel like he's been playing good football at the last month when he's been getting more opportunities out there. He, he looks like the guy that was, that had a pretty solid season in Carolina. So Interested to see how he's used. Interested to see how these young players step up. I saw someone in the comments say, what happened to AJ Epineza? Uh, you know, he has gone relatively quiet this year since a, a game that we thought that was kind of his welcome to the, to the league moment where they're against Miami, where he was all over the field. And even Greg Rousseau, you know, he, he's done some things here and there. He's, but he hasn't had that moment since that Kansas City game where he batted the pass and had the interception. So they need all their normal veterans to step up, but they also need one of those young guys to, to do their part on Monday Night Football. I wanted to get to the, you know, stay on the defensive side, talk a little bit about Dane Jackson. And it's interesting because the big storyline is going to be like, how do you fill Tredavious white shoes? Right. Like, I mean, that's a, a big piece of this thing. You're not, but I also think that this defense, because of the depth along this team in terms of how good, you know, players are at other positions. They have, there's the possibility that they could still execute at a pretty high level, especially if they get even just, you know, average level play from Dane Jackson. And I, listen, he was a guy that came in last year. And, you know, I, I think both of the times he was playing with Tredavious White, which I don't know that you can argue that that's a good thing because, you know, you're playing on the field with a, a really good secondary, or you can argue that you're going to be the target and you got to step up and make plays and maybe, you know, now we'll really get a sense of both Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson kind of being out there um, at times on an island. I know they play in his own defense. It's not uh, it's not really the same, 
But I think that there's a lot of confidence in the building. You you heard um, Stefan Diggs talk about him today. Jordan Poyer talking about him today said, well, wow, I think he's been in the, in the system now for three years. It's actually only been two. But it feels like that with a young guy that's come in and made the kind of impact that Dane Jackson has made in the room. So the Bills are confident in him, but it's obviously not a, an ideal situation. No, absolutely not. But you mentioned it. They're, they're more of a zone than a man defense. And I think that's going to benefit Dane Jackson significantly in this matchup. And for the rest of this regular season, we, we've seen highs and lows from him. We've seen him get beat a few times this year when he's been out there. We've also seen him play at a high level at times this year. And especially last year, um, we've, we've mentioned the plays, the one on one against DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone, the interception. I want to say in his first matchup against the Jets. He seemed to rise to the occasion as a rookie, and now he has another year in this system. He's going to go in knowing that, you know, he is pretty much the guy for that job. There's there's not a lot of other options to go to. So he's going to get those reps. He's going to get those opportunities. Is is it going to be perfect? No, absolutely not. But when you have Micah Hyde and you have Jordan Poor, you have uh, one of, if not the best slot cornerback in Taron Johnson, there's plenty of help. And Levi Wallace, who I th- I still think, you know, not every member of the Bills Mafia, but I think he is underestimated by so many fans in terms of who he is and what, what he is. Uh, he is a solid number two cornerback. I, I said that recently, whether it was on a podcast or in an article and people were, were criticizing that. He's not an all pro. No one's saying he is, but he is a solid player that would be starting on most teams across this league. Uh, and he's proven time and time again what he can do. So it's going to be interesting. I, I don't necessarily think that Mac Jones is going to be the guy that exposes the secondary. I think, uh, you know, Mr. Tom Brady here pretty soon. He's going to, he might be licking his chops knowing that Tredavious White's not out there. But I think that the Bills, for the most part, are going to have some time to figure out what to do and what they can get away with and what they can't with, with Dane Jackson in that spot. So I think we're going to give you a little teaser for Sunday. We're going to be live at 1215 on Sunday. I don't know if I told you this yet, Ryan, did I? You did not. <laughs> oh, I should have probably put a vast news you. to me. We got to do the show on Sunday, the preview show. Um, it was suggested by our, our boss. So we got to figure out a time. I have 11 o'clock pregame show on channel four. So we'll work it out. We're, we're going to be live on Sunday. Check it out for the time. We'll figure that out. Um, maybe we'll go super early. Get you, get you ready from that perspective. We'll see. We'll talk more about this game. We're going to have our full preview episode. We'll have uh, matchups to watch, keys to the game, predictions, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, check that out on Sunday. Uh, if you're hosting a large party this weekend, um, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. We have a huge announcement coming in the next couple days about a huge live event that we're doing. We're we're not going to give anything away. We're not going to spoil it, but it's a huge event. We're super excited about that. Uh, a little bit of a collaboration, so stay tuned. And then, um, yeah, that's it. Final word, Ryan Talbot. Yeah, final word. Looking forward to, uh, you know, really getting into the this game on Sunday. I think we'll have a better picture, like uh, Matt said earlier in the show, about whether there's a trickle-down effect with those positive COVID cases in New England, if anyone else is going to be out, or what Kyle Duggar's status is. But uh, I kind of agree with Diana Rossini. This is kind of making out to be the, the biggest game of the year to date in the league because it, it has stakes in the division. It has stakes possibly for the number one seed in this conference. You can't ask for anything better than that in prime time in what's going to be 
the coldest game in Mac Jones's career. Boom. Bernardo Dietze coming in at the end. What's up, my friend? Uh, great to uh, catch with up with you recently. We'll be back on Sunday. Do not miss it. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. See you then. Take care, everyone. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.